0: Hey guys, we're thankful that you've joined us uh, for our worship service. This is uh, the 11th week that we have been just online only in worship. So it's just been a really kind of a crazy time. I I thought about this, Amy and I have been talking about it a whole lot. I've got myself out of shape. I'm used to preaching now for for the last uh, 11 weeks, just one service on Sunday morning. I get up just like you guys do and uh, watch the service with a cup of coffee and then go take a walk. So I've just kind of got myself out of shape. So I have started kind of like a spring training regiment, trying to get myself back shape a little bit so I can be ready for the three services when we start back on June 7th. Uh, Robert and Daniel, our worship team, they're actually running steps in the sanctuary right now, just trying to get themselves uh, back and get their wind back. So we're glad you're with us. And those of you, we've heard from some of you, uh, your friends here in Murfreesboro have uh, sent you a link in different parts of the country and you're watching with us. So we're really honored that you've chosen to to watch these services with us. We really appreciate that. We're in a series that we've entitled 2020. That's really a year that... uh, Uh, Nobody's going to forget because of this pandemic, but 2020, embracing a new vision. And we've talked really about a new vision for our understanding of the nature of God, really a new vision uh, uh, for understanding relationships. And we've really talked about how the gospel gives us this new vision for all these things. The gospel gives us really a new vision for understanding trials and difficulties and suffering, even some of which that we're, we're going through right now. Uh, but today we're gonna we're gonna see this. We're gonna see that uh, a correct understanding of the gospel really gives us really a new vision for understanding the scripture. And so I, I hope this is going to be helpful for you. If you have your Bibles, if you'd do me a favor and just go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 24. And we're gonna be here. We're gonna be in a story that I have never preached on but I've just uh, always loved. And so I'm excited to teach on it today. This is a, a story that's often referred, referred to as the Emmaus Road. And I remember when Amy and I first started dating, and we'll put this picture up uh, on the screen. This was a portrait that they had, a painting that they had in their house. It really depicts the story that we're going to, to look at today. And it's just a, it's a fascinating story, but embedded in this story, I really think are some truths that are going to help us so much in really having a whole new vision for really understanding the the gospel and understanding the scripture, I should say. And really what's gonna happen, it's gonna help us really engage our heart and it will transform, I promise these principles here will transform your relationship with Christ. So thanks for joining us today. Let's jump in and take a look at this scripture, Luke chapter 24. Uh, verse thirteen. I know there are families that are watching together, so somebody is somebody's got to be responsible for the Bible. So if you're, you're there, you got the Bible open and just keep it open, and you can just kind of pass it around among those that are watching, and so we can look at these scriptures together. Starting in verse thirteen, it says, "Now that same day." Now that same day is pretty interesting. What day was that? Only the most important day in the history of the world—the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's when this story takes place. On that same day. It says two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about a seven mile uh, walk from Jerusalem. So here's a group of disciples, two guys that were disciples. Now they weren't apostles. They weren't a part of that original 12. This would have been a part of a larger group of folks that have traveled with Jesus and were following Jesus. But on the day of his resurrection, we find them heading back home to uh, Emmaus, a village that they were from. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And boy, there's a lot that had happened and the the arrest of Jesus, the crucifixion of of Jesus. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along beside them. Now, this is where this story gets crazy. Here's two guys, and we we have a picture behind me on our video wall of just what the Emmaus uh, Road uh, probably looked like back in the time uh, of Jesus. So here they are walking, and Jesus walks up beside them. Verse 16, says this, but they were kept from recognizing Him. Now I think this is a super important passage for us to understand. Why were they kept from recognizing Him? Maybe it was because they had so much doubt about uh, Jesus' resurrection. That could have been part of it. They lacked faith. What I really believe is uh, because they were going to really have their hearts come alive and it was gonna be through an understanding of the scripture. Jesus in just a few moments is gonna open the scripture up. He's gonna teach them the scripture and help them correctly interpret the scripture And this is what's going to radically change them. So here's the point. You see, so many times we hear people say, well, if I was alive back in the time of Jesus and I had that kind of experience of being with Jesus, then yeah, my life would be radically changed too. But what changed these men were going to see was the scripture. That's the same thing that we have today that can change us. So I think that's why they were kept from recognizing him. So they wouldn't trust in the experience, but they would trust in the word. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. I think this is so cool. Like, I, I hope you're gonna see Jesus in a different light. Here's Jesus just coming up and he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? I mean, he just kind of plays it really cool as he comes up along and they're just super down and discouraged, the scripture says they're downcast. One of them named Cleopas, I don't know why Cleopas, obviously Cleopas was was downcast because um, He thinks Jesus is dead, the Messiah is dead, so all of his hopes and dreams are dashed. Maybe he's downcast because he's got a terrible name, like Cleopas is... uh I'd be bummed out if my name was Cleopas too. So that, that was just another reason that he was probably down. They stood there still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So Cleopas cops an attitude with Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, he doesn't understand it's Jesus, but Jesus is walking beside him. And Cleopas says like, you don't get it? I mean, you're probably the only one who's visited Jerusalem that doesn't understand what just went down. And again, he's talking to Jesus. What things? Jesus asked. That's pretty funny, isn't it? Jesus says, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, maybe he has to hide his hands uh, behind him. And so he's kind of playing along with them. And Cleopas says about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed and before God and all the people. Now they're telling Jesus what happened to Jesus. I mean, they're right. They're talking to him like he doesn't understand what's happened. Verse 20, the chief priests and all our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, this is a super important part of our our study today. They're going to tell you here the reason why they're so discouraged. And we're we're going to kind of build on this. And I think it could unlock a secret for you really helping you understand how to interpret the scripture, which is going to change so many things for you in your life. Listen to what they said, verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, we had a dream for Jesus. We thought Jesus was going to come. He was going to kick the Romans out, and he was going to set up his kingdom. That's what we hoped. And when that didn't happen, they just left. They're walking back seven miles back to Emmaus. They're leaving really the community to have they had. The disciples are all back in Jerusalem. So it's like they're leaving their small group. They're leaving their church. They're done because their dream, what they hoped, didn't come true. And so they're out. And what is more, they go on to say, it is the third day. So this is Resurrection Day. but they did not see Jesus. So do you understand what these guys just said? Even though they had been with Jesus for years, they knew that Jesus had told them that he was gonna be resurrected. These were Jewish men who would have known the scripture that the Messiah was to be resurrected. The day resurrection morning, women go to the tomb, come back and say the tomb is empty. Other disciples, Peter and John run there, find the tomb is empty. They give a report of an angel, all these things happening, but they don't believe. Uh, they're still still doubting. And, and they lack, lack faith. Now Jesus begins to speak, verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. You, you lack faith. And all, all the prophets have spoken. He says, in other words, you should have known this because of what the prophets said. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Jesus is, is really breaking down their doubt because what caused them to really leave Jerusalem and go back home and just throw in the towel was Jesus didn't come to and do what they thought he was going to do. He didn't restore Israel. And Jesus is saying that was never the plan. You, you missed that. And then look at verse, verse 27, let me read verse 26 again. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, if you have your Bible open, you ought to underline that last word himself. As Jesus is walking now, I almost entitled this message "The Emmaus uh, Half," the half marathon, because we're going to see them walk seven miles out. They're going to go seven miles back, which I know is is, is 14 miles. Some of you are runners saying it's really only 13.2, but. You understand my point. While Jesus is walking with them, he starts with Moses. And Moses, Moses was the author of the first, four, first five books in the Old Testament. So he starts with Genesis and he shows them all the way Genesis through the prophets, how the centerpiece of the message of the Bible is him. He's explaining that to them. Now, let's look on verse 28 as they approached the village to which they were going, which was Emmaus, Jesus continued on as if he were going a little bit further. So there's an exit ramp. They get off to take the the exit ramp to Emmaus. It's about dark. I mean, the sun is setting and Jesus just kind of plays it cool again. He just kind of keeps on walking. And they're like, I mean, you've just led us in the most amazing Bible study in the history of the world. And man, why don't you come on with us? So they invite him into their home, still not knowing who he is, still not understanding who he is, but just thinking, man, this is an unbelievable rabbi. This guy knows the scripture. He is teaching us the word. So they urged, him, they urged him strongly. Look at verse 29. They urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, they're having a meal. He took bread, gave thanks. I'm sure they called on him to pray because don't you do that at your family meals? Like whoever's the most spiritual person there, you call on them to pray. I mean, he just had this amazing teaching and they're like, hey dude, why don't you, you go ahead and you, you bless this meal? So he, he breaks bread. He, he begins to, to, to pray for them and to give thanks. Then it says, verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappears from their sight. What in the world? I mean, this is a crazy story. They realize it's Jesus. They realize it's the resurrected Messiah. It's just this amazing moment. And then Jesus is gone. And so they're looking around the room to to see where he was. Verse 32, look at this. This This is such an important passage. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? more than anything today, if you're, whenever you're watching this, here's what I want for you and here's what I want for myself. I want our hearts to be engaged with the power of the gospel. You see so many times when we read the scripture, and I wonder if this is true about you, you've just kind of gotten a little bored with your time in Bible study and it's just kind of cold a religious experience, but what would it be like for your heart to be just beating out of your chest and to experience that joy and excitement again? That's what these guys experienced. It's said, you know, wasn't our wasn't our heart really ablaze and so Uh, they said, as he opened the scriptures up to us, they got up, verse 33, and returned at once to Jerusalem. Now, again, seven mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's dark. They're eating after dark. And you you see the picture of the road. I mean, you, you got bandits that are hanging out. I mean, this was a dangerous place, but they didn't care because they had seen the risen Christ. And so they turn and they run seven miles back to Jerusalem because their heart had been engaged. And so Uh, when they arrived, it says in verse 33, they got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them. So these are the uh, apostles. They're assembled together and saying, it's true. The Lord has risen. He has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So let's, let's think about this story. And this is a, a truly amazing story. And I think, inside this story are a couple truths that I really want to try to unpack just for a few minutes today that that I think could help you embrace a new vision for really understanding the scripture. And there's three simple things. Uh, The first thing is this, we have to be honest about our doubts. I mean, these guys had doubts and 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 Jesus doesn't toss you out if you have doubt. Everyone, 100% of the first century followers of Jesus had doubts. John the Baptist, Jesus said the greatest uh, man ever born of of a woman had doubts. If you remember, if you've studied uh, the scripture a little bit, John the Baptist at the end of his life is in prison and he asked one of his disciples to go back and ask one of Jesus' disciples if he was truly the Messiah. So doubts are really a part of our life. And what I love about Jesus in this story, here's two guys on that Easter Sunday morning that just said, you know what, Messiahs don't die. He was supposed to come and redeem Israel. He didn't live up to the, what they wanted Him to be and so they're out, they're heading back home and they're talking with each other on their way back home and they're just filled with doubts in their mind and, and Jesus is just with them. He doesn't toss them out because of, our, of their doubts. He doesn't do that with you or with me either. So if we're gonna get a new vision for scripture, we gotta be honest about our, our doubts. And and Jesus will meet us there. You see because when we're honest about our doubts one of the things i really believe and you may disagree with this one of the things i really believe is when we have doubts about scripture the enemy wants us to to keep that to, to ourselves sometimes to keep that inside because if we were able to really confess or talk about those doubts to somebody else somebody might share truth with us that could really help us you see and so when we really embrace our doubts learn to doubt our doubts kind of question them a little bit then we can really it can really lead to a whole new vision of the bible so I think it's an important thing. So what was their doubt here? So what did these guys, look at verse 21 again. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. For these guys, suffering wasn't a part of their story. See, Messiahs in in their mind didn't suffer. You see, they didn't understand that the the, the cross preceded the crown. And, And many times in our life, we don't understand that either, that when we're going through a difficult season of suffering, we wonder, God, where are you? And in fact, it was even through this suffering that God was gonna do his greatest work. You know, one of the passages that I think Jesus probably shared with these men on that seven mile walk to Emmaus, I think most likely was Isaiah chapter 53. Three, verse three Let, let's look at this this is what they should have should have known this is a thousand years before Jesus uh, would come this is the prophet Isaiah right and here's what Isaiah said about what it was going to be like when Messiah would come. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering. Certainly Jesus suffered and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces and was despised. I mean as Jesus is there on the cross with just to his his back just ripped apart because of all the beatings. It was just almost hard to, to look at and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. That's kind of what they thought. They thought, you know what? Messiahs don't die. This didn't make sense. And Jesus is taking them back to show them what the scripture said. He, but Verse 5, but he, meaning Messiah, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wombs we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So what is Jesus saying? He's showing them suffering as a part of the plan. And this wasn't just about redeeming Israel, a nation about the size of New Hampshire. This was about redeeming all of mankind. And that's what they just didn't didn't understand. You know, I think all of us, again, all of us have doubts. We have to be honest about our doubts. Now, here's the second thing. Embracing a new vision for scripture takes, takes this. It's really learning to read the Bible as his story, not history. Now, What do I mean by this? Look at verse 27, this is so, so powerful and this is helping me in my life. I never will forget as a college student, the first time I really learned this principle it really changed me. I never knew this. I had an old lens for reading scripture. Look what Jesus says, with these guys who had doubts and were struggling on this road to Emmaus, a seven-mile walk, it says, and beginning with Moses, the author of the first five books of the Old Testament, and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He's showing them this. Now, see, when you, if you're going to embrace a new lens for scripture, you have to really Uh, understand that there was an old way of looking at Scripture. There were some old lenses that were really affecting you. Uh, Now, here's here's how we look at Scripture many times with an old lens. We really say this, where do I fit into the story? Like we look at this story and say, where, where, "Where do I fit into this story? Or how is this Bible character like me? Or what immediate benefit could I get from, from reading, reading the Scripture?" And this is, this is exactly where these guys were. Uh, they, they had, everything was kind of focused on themselves. We had hope that Jesus would redeem Israel. So, what's my point? This old lens that we have many times of reading Scripture is really a self-centered lens. You see. And, and that ultimately boomerangs on us and affects us negatively. You see, if you have an old lens for reading scripture, you you will never really have your heart engaged like these guys did. And it's burning and just really beating out of your chest, which is what, what we need. I always try to explain it this way. It's kind of like the story of David and Goliath. Wouldn't you say that's one of the most... Uh, that's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. right? When, when most people study the story of David and Goliath, they would say, well, well, which character are you like? Well, everybody wants to be David, right? I'm like, I'm David. You see, so we want to be David. And so we would say, then then, then who's Goliath? Well, my boss is Goliath or whatever obstacle you have in your life, that's that's Goliath. And so I want to grab my my five stones and I want to go out and I want to fight Goliath. And so here's what happens if you read the scripture that way. If you're David, you grab your stones and you begin to sling them at Goliath. Many times Goliath catches those stones and just slings them right back at you and you're destroyed. And that just leaves you like very empty. You see, but we're not David in this story. You see, David is really a picture ultimately of Christ. Christ and how Christ brings about the victory. We're like the Israelites, if you know this story. They're on the sidelines. They're scared to death. It isn't until David wins this victory and then they take the battlefield. You see, that's what Jesus is trying to explain to these guys. He explains all the scripture concerning who? Himself. He wanted them to see this. And, and, and it's so amazing how that will change you in scripture. Let me just tell you something about the Bible. This is fascinating to me. I don't know if it's fascinating uh, to you. The Bible was written over a 1,500 year period of time, spanning 40 generations, think about that, that's a lot, by 40 different authors over three continents. But it has one theme: redemption, and it has one hero, And that's Jesus. And that's what he's trying to explain to them that you don't read it like you're reading history. You read it as his story. And when you begin to do that, it begins to change everything. Now, let me just give you another example. Maybe one of the passages that Jesus shared with them on the road to Emmaus on this seven mile walk was Genesis 1 26. And why did I pick that? Because I think you can see Jesus on every page of the Bible. In the very first page of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, Let us make man. In our image. When God said, Let us, who's He talking to? And some of you say, Well, He was talking to the angels. No. Uh, angels uh, didn't have the ability to create. They were created things. He's talking to Jesus, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is present in creation. So what's my point? On every page of the Bible, we can see this is His story. We can see Jesus in that. I mean, maybe one of the stories that, that Jesus broke down for them as they were walking on the road to Emmaus was, was Noah's Ark, right? That's a great story, right? We say that's a historical story. Sure it is, but it's even bigger than that. Maybe Jesus is saying, you know, hey guys, remember when, when God called Noah to build this, this art to save the people, the ark was was just a, a means of salvation. It's almost a picture or a type of Christ that was to come. And then God says to coat that ark with pitch. One of the amazing things, that, that word for coating the ark with pitch, the Hebrew word is ruach. It's where we get our, our New Testament, our Greek word for atonement. And Jesus is saying, the ark survived because it had a covering and you will survive because I'm going to bring about a covering. I'm going to be your ruach. I'm going to be your atonement for your sin. And to that, these guys are starting to see this story different. I mean, that was a story they learned as a kid, but they never understood. They thought it was history. They didn't realize that it was his story and their hearts beginning to beat out of their chest. So if you read the Bible for yourself, you'll always end up ultimately discouraged. That's where these guys were. I mean, they were just reading it very selfishly. Like I wanted Jesus to redeem Israel. And here they are walking back with their heads down, they're discouraged. And that's the way it is. When you read the Bible for yourself, you'll always end up discouraged. But when you read the scripture and see him, you'll be encouraged like never before. And that's what I I want for you. Let's look at the third and, and final thing. This is, is, is really is what we've been talking about all along, but really allowing the word to engage, gauge your, engage your heart. And this is, this is what happens. You can't do this. But as you begin to read scripture as his story, you begin to see Jesus on, on the pages of scripture, then it, it truly begins to engage your heart. And, and I think that's what you need. And again, we went back to this. Why was, why was Jesus hidden from these guys at first? Why were they not able to recognize him? Here's what I believe. I believe they weren't able to recognize Him because Jesus was gonna use the truth of the Word. He was gonna show Himself in the Word and that was what was going to be able to radically change them, engage their heart. And so here's the good news for you and the good news for me. We have that same Word. You see, it wasn't this crazy experience where they got to see Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They didn't even realize it was Jesus till they got back in their house after he'd already done the teaching and their heart had already been engaged. And so what does that mean? That's in play for you today. If you begin to see scripture uh, that way, look down at verse, 30, uh, verse 32. As they are just thinking about the events of the day, they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture up to us. When it says open, interpreted it correctly. They saw him in the story and it says that their hearts were burning inside of them. Do you remember, uh, if you're married today, do you remember the first time guys that you saw her and what happened in your heart? I mean, if you're a parent today, do you remember the first time you held them and what happened inside your heart is an amazing, an amazing thing. I mean, if you're, if you're uh, into music, the first time that you saw your favorite band live and in concert and it just did something inside of you, you see, that's what happens when we leave the old lens of looking at scripture and just kind of reading it through our own self-centered view and really beginning to see Him in the story, it begins to capture our heart and changes us. Now, let, let me close with, with this the difference between kind of the old lens and we see it in this story and the new lens. When I was a kid growing up, I mean, every preacher talked about head knowledge versus heart knowledge. You ever grow up hearing that? I heard so many messages just like, we got, we got so much head knowledge, we just need heart knowledge. And I, I, I didn't get that. I was like, that does not, I, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You may say, well, I understood that. Well, you're better than me, good for you. Here's, here's what the old lens is like, like head knowledge. We're prone to discouragement. That's where these guys were, right? When Jesus shows up, oh, Cleopas has just got his head down. He's discouraged, right? That's what an old lens of reading scripture will do. It'll leave you discouraged. Uh, secondly, you can know the facts, but not, not his face. I mean, you can, you can know the stories, but Jesus shows up right in their presence and they weren't even able to recognize him. Number three, you'll always walk away when the dream dies. When something happens in your life that doesn't make sense and you don't like in the moment, you'll just walk away. That's what, what they were doing. And then fourth, this is kind of just head knowledge. You don't really see the need for community, right? This is a big deal. I wish I had more time to talk about that. They left on Easter morning, they left their small group. They walked away. I mean, they walked away from Jerusalem. That's where their people were. That's where all the disciples were and they left, right? It'll just pull us away from community. That's what just kind of head knowledge will do. But what's the new lens An engaged heart? We, we realize scripture is his story. We start to see him as the hero of the story, not us. And it encourages us. And, and our hearts begin to beat in our chest. We begin to come alive. Dead religion is gone. It, we're not having to read the scripture because we're supposed to. We want to be inside of it and see more of who who this is. I always hear people say this, and it's not wrong, so, so don't email me. You know, people say, well, I want to read the scripture for a promise to claim. And there are tons of promises to claim in the scripture, and that's good. It's an important thing. But here's what I think you need to do first. I, need you, I think you need to read the scripture to know the promise keeper first. Does that make sense? Because when you know that, it engages your heart, and that's what we need in our culture. Number two, when, when there's an engaged heart, you need to realize that the death of my dreams means the birth of his, Right? the death of my dream, I thought you were coming to redeem Israel. You didn't, oh, you were gonna use this to redeem the world. I mean, this blows their mind because what God is wanting to do, what Jesus was gonna do in this story was way bigger than what they wanted. And so very often that's the story of our life. Man, I was frustrated here when I was going through that period of suffering because I thought my dream was over and then I realized you were doing something far greater than I could ever imagine. And our hearts are engaged. And then lastly, when our hearts are engaged, and this is a great way to know if your heart's been engaged with the gospel and an understanding of the word, you can't be silent. Like these guys get up after, din- I mean, it's dinner time, a seven mile walk and they turn and they sprint back through the night to Jerusalem to tell everybody what they saw. That's how, you know, listen, when, when your head's engaged, no. But when your heart's engaged, then you want others to know what has happened and what Jesus has done in your life and to be able to testify to that. So we see that, so. When I read this story and I begin to see Him in this story, a couple things happen. Number one, I think Jesus is funny in this story, right? I mean, I don't know if you grew up and you, you may think this is irreverent, but Jesus has a sense of humor. I mean, he shows up like, what well, are you guys down about? You, haven't you heard? No, tell me. And so He's just listening. He's just playing with them. He's messing with them. Isn't that interesting? And it just, I just think that's cool. It makes me just fall in love deeper with Jesus. And then here's the other thing I love. Jesus doesn't toss them out because they have doubts. He's patient with them. Aren't you glad He's patient with us? Doesn't that make you fall deeper in love with Him? I man, I, in my life, I'm like these guys. I've missed it so many times. And you see the patience of, of, of Jesus. You know, I was talking about those uh, older preachers when I was growing up, and they talk about head knowledge versus heart knowledge. And, and I, I can remember so many invitations, man. That was, that was back in the day. And I mean, just this hellfire and brimstone preaching that I grew up. And, and I, I can remember this, the pathway to hell is 14 inches. I remember this sermon when I was a kid and I was like, 14 inches, the pathway to hell, what in the world are you talking about? And I remember the preacher saying, it's the distance between your head to your heart, about 14 inches. I'm like, man, that's kind of crazy. But you know what? What he said was uh, really pretty true. Because I, I, I'm not so sure if we don't have so many people, maybe even you today watching, and, and to be honest, you, you know the facts about a lot of these stories, right? You, you know what's here. You know the facts, but you don't know his face. Your heart's never been engaged, right? And it's dull and it's lifeless, and you're downcast just like Ocleopas was. And you've never really seen this as his story, which changes everything. You know what I love as this story ends? It's kind of Jesus's last move. Like he's just, he has just taught these guys like nobody's ever taught them before. They've been walking for seven miles and now it's their turn to hit their driveway and you know, exit stage left. The sun is setting and this is, this is Easter, right? The sun's setting on this amazing day and Jesus just kind of keeps on walking, playing it cool. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, you you need to come on, you need to stay with us. And they invited him in. I think there's there's a lot of play with that today because I think that's where we are. We're somewhere on this Emmaus road right now. Somewhere on this journey of doubt, maybe self-centeredness, and Jesus has met us and he's walking with us. And now your move is the move that these two guys Had to make. At some point, Jesus is not going to just barge in and take over your life, keeps on walking. At some point, you've got to invite him in. That's what they did. And it was a rule changer. It turned their life upside down. Has that ever happened for you? Maybe what the old preacher said is is right. The distance uh, to hell is 14 inches, it's the distance from head to heart, and has Has Jesus, it's the story of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the redemption of Jesus, has it ever engaged your heart? I'm not asking you, do you know about him? I'm asking you, do you love him? You see, that's the difference. And inviting him in and watching what he wants to do. And for some of you, you need to do that today for the first time. It's like you're exiting off that road and he'll keep walking, and you'll miss this moment, but you will regret missing this moment forever. But for those of you maybe even right now, just watching there in your home, it's a chance for you to say, why don't you come on and hang out at my table tonight? In other words, I give you my life, come on in, I'm inviting you in. Would you pray with me right now as we close this service out? With your heads bowed, can we just pray? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to see it as as his story, the story of Jesus, not history. Lord, could we move past just cold, lifeless religion and have our hearts engaged? And Father, for some today, it is a chance to invite you into their life. You have met them, you've revealed yourself to them. Their hearts are beating out of their chest. And today, by faith, they will invite you in to be their savior and to be their Lord. And maybe even say this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died in my place. You're the substitute. And I can never achieve salvation. Would you tell the Lord that? But your sacrifice, your sinless life achieved for me a standing that I could never have on my own. And today I invite you in to take control of my life. I trust you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. Would you tell him that? Father, thank you for for the story. Lord, for 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 others of us who are who are believers, but Our time in your word has just gotten cold and lifeless. Lord, could you remind us again and help us to see your story in every page and encourage us in an amazing way. Would you engage our hearts like never before? In Christ's name, amen. Hey guys, thank you today for giving us a part of your morning. We're honored that you chose to to worship with us online. And I'm looking forward to hearing some stories of engaged hearts and the difference that that's making in your life. God bless you guys.